Welcome to this very special edition of the KAJ Masterclass Live, the show which ensures that you profit from your time spent here with experts, either through their industry insights and information or simply learning from them. And talking of profit, there is a $35 trillion opportunity in the USA. Yes, $35 trillion, and whoever can act fast will create that value that much fast. The US has an enormous wealth transfer on the horizon, the granddaddy of wealth transfers. The implications are nothing less than seismic and very profitable too. Depends on which side you are seeing it from. A great opportunity for Indian businesses, investors, and HNIs indeed. And that's the reason for this special show. So this is the first part of the five series uh, that we are rolling out on this particular topic. Uh, and this is the first episode on that. And to tell us more about this greatest wealth transfer in history, the $35 trillion opportunity in the USA, let's go to the man himself who told me about it. The man who is watching this space as closely as possible to profit those who would want to profit from it. We have David Walters, founder and CEO, Stream Powered Consulting directly from the USA. David is a company value maximizer, expert helping business owners increase the value of their exit two to 11 times. After a successful career in corporate multinational companies, he now helps business founders maximize the value of their business in preparation for the founder's exit. As a chartered engineer for almost 40 years, David is particularly well suited to work with the founders of engineering and technology companies looking to exit within one to three years. A former nuclear submarine weapons engineer officer and submarine special operations expert, he brings this steely-eyed discipline to help his clients realize val maximum value when they exit their business. Welcome to the show, David. Hey, Jay, thank you very much. That's a great introduction. Thank you. This is indeed a huge, huge business opportunity, the $35 trillion opportunity. What exactly is this $35 trillion train wreck? Tell us about it, David. Well, I, I mean, it, it's called the greatest wealth transfer in human history. Um, I'm calling it the $35 trillion train wreck. And um, as with all crises, as with all potential disasters, there's opportunity for those people that, that, that um, look into it. So um, if, can I share some slides with you and I'll, I'll talk you through. Yes, 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 sure, sure. Thank okay. you very much. Okay, so the $35 trillion train wreck. This is the transfer of wealth from the boomer generation to the next generation. And um, it's been assessed in the US that as the, as the boomer generation retires and then ultimately expires, all this money that they've amassed over the last 50 odd years is going to be handed down to the next generation. Now, the reason it's a train wreck is many, many families have not prepared themselves. So the, the tax man is going to have a huge bounty in the form of estate duties and death taxes and whatever else. So a huge amount of this money that should pass from one generation to the next, it's going to be siphoned off and taken by the tax man. So that's bad enough. Um, but the, the next part is even worse is that of that 35 trillion, a huge amount of that is actually in business value. And that's really why we're talking today. 
tell us about the baby boomer generation? A lot of people know about it, but for the you know sake of Indian audience, a lot of people who are who have the money to invest but would like to understand this whole concept better. Okay, so technically, the boomer generation are those people born between 1946 and 1964. So they were the post-war generation in the U.S. And obviously that is the time when the U.S. was in its absolute economic ascendancy. You know, the 50s and the 60s when the U.S. was the, was the absolute economic powerhouse of the world. So these people made their fortunes, they built their businesses, they invested their money. And now that money is, you know, now um, someone who was born at the end of the boomer generation is, is in their um, late 50s, early 60s. Someone born at the beginning of the boomer generations in the 70s and 80s. So that money is, needs to be transferred to the next generation. And in the business case, the way that money needs to be transferred is by handing over the business. And that's where the train wreck is going to happen. And I can explain that with a couple of other slides. Yes, please. Okay. So, uh, as I said, the train wreck is the greatest wealth transfer in human history. And when the money is going from the boom generation to their children, um, as I said, a lot of families have not prepared themselves correctly for this. So a lot of the money, instead of going to the children or going to the family is going to go to the tax man. That's okay. that failure of their tax planning. That's not why we're here today. But where the, where the real opportunity lies for business owners and business investors is the fact that out of the 35 trillion, more than $10 trillion of that value is in the form of businesses. Okay. There's four and a half million businesses in that basket of, of $10 trillion of value that need to transition from the original founder who was a boomer to the next generation. Okay. And so if, if you're a business owner and you've built your wealth in your business and 60% of business owners say that, you know, part of the, part of their wealth strategy is being able to sell the business. The problem is the vast majority of business owners get this terribly wrong. And instead of getting a high value payout, they get very, very badly disappointed. Um, okay. if you look, if you look at this figure here. Over 98% of businesses exit for almost zero value. So although 60% of business owners say we want to sell the business to make money, to fund our retirement, to fund our retirement years. And we want, we want to leave a legacy for our children over 98% of businesses. And it, it probably, if we're being absolutely harsh and hard nosed about it, less than 1% of businesses actually get sold for a fair and reasonable price. The vast majority, the exit is when they shut the doors, the owner's lucky to, to get a fireside sale of some of the assets they have left, but the whole life of the business, the whole value that was created just gets lost when the business actually closes the doors and stops doing business. And that's the tragedy. So many people are looking forward to this windfall, but the vast majority never get that far. Okay. So uh, David, uh, before we go. On to any next slide, let me ask you one particular question in, in this particular regard is that uh, why is it that the transfer of wealth or businesses is so difficult for American entrepreneurs or the boomer generation onto their next generation or the generation that actually will inherit them? 
Why is it so difficult only in the US and not anywhere else? Can you explain that better, Shop? I don't think it's just the US that's facing this problem, but I think just because of the science of the US economy and the science of the boomer generation, the, the situation is just much, much more obvious in the US. I mean, every country has a boomer generation, but it really is only the US that the boomers were, were the dominant generation during the period of economic ascendancy. You know, India is now becoming an economic powerhouse. India is growing. Indian businesses are doing great things. But this has happened in the last 10, 15, 20 years. So this is, this is not the boomer generation. This is the generation behind. In, right. uh, you know, in, India would face the same problem in, say, 20 years. You know, but now the problem is clearly in the U.S., predominantly that because of the age of the people and because of the economy, it's a much, much bigger issue than it would be in other countries. If people want to invest in the U.S. and really um, establish a business foothold, now is a perfect opportunity. So I will come to that specific question, you know, how Indian entrepreneurs, Indian businesses can make use of that. But David, just explain me uh, that you said that 98% of business exists are for zero value. Is, are the businesses in such a state that if they are not bought by somebody else who can create value or if they are not passed on to that next generation in a very nice state of affairs, there would be 98% of that business will be of zero value. Can you help us explain that part of it? Sure, absolutely. Okay, so the, the, first, the first reality is that um, two-thirds of businesses don't last more than 10 years. So people who are building their business, unless they do well, two thirds of them fail within 10 years. When a business fails and shuts the door, there is no value remaining. It's just, you know, it's, it's a fireside sale. There may be some, some small assets that are recovered, but it's not a, it's the business doesn't get the value that it deserves. Of the, of the 33% of businesses that, that make it past the 10 year point of the businesses that actually get put up for sale. Only 5%, um, only 5% of those businesses actually get sold. So it's one in 20. So if, if you do the maths, assuming, and this is an assumption, assuming that every business that is 10 years old or older actually formally gets presented for sale, only 5% close the deal. So that means that 98.35% of businesses end up in, in a zero value exit. And it's actually higher than that because of, of the businesses more than 10 years old, not every one of them goes to sale. So, so that's why I say in my mind, less than 1% of all the businesses actually get sold for any real value. And if you remember the previous slide that said there's four and a half million businesses worth $10 trillion in value, less than 1% of those are going to make a high value exit. So that's four and a half million of, uh, 1% of 10 trillion, um, is whatever a hundred, hundred million, um, or hundred billion. That's a huge amount, but yeah, there's 99% yeah, yeah. of that, that $10 trillion of value will be lost unless somebody picks up a business and keeps that value going. That's, that's the situation we're in. That's a lot. That's a lot of numbers, David, even from a digesting point of view and a four point. 5 million firms representing more than 10 trillion in business value. That's a lot of business. That's a lot of uh, money involved 
So what can business owners do in the U.S. to protect their wealth? In terms of Indian audience, there are a huge number of businesses who have very close connections with the U.S. And maybe this, they can find important for them to look at U.S.'s, U.S. businesses, which can suit their growth. Sure. Okay. So, so the first thing is you actually need to think about the overall life cycle of the business. And we teach there are seven levels in the entrepreneur's journey. Okay. The first level is what we call traction. So that's when you're starting the business, you're seeing if you have something you can sell. Then you go through the growth phase, through the expansion phase, then the business okay. platforms, which all businesses tend to do. Um, but then once you get to the breakout, uh, the breakout would include um, the owner, the owner uh, increasing their own pay to, to make them feel more confident and feel more comfortable. Uh, implementing an advisory board to help them because they're going to have to make some big strategic decisions to maximize the value. Once they've got their advisory board in place, then we look at a deliberate process for mergers and acquisitions. And then the final event is the, is the business exit itself, which is a very carefully orchestrated process to present the business in the best possible light for sale. So, so that's the, that's the, the life cycle, the seven stages. What we okay. find, so, so the first thing, a lot of businesses never complete that journey. They get okay. stuck in the, um, in the growth and expansion stage. They never, they never achieve the state that we call scalable. So what we say is for a business to be scalable, they should have a system for sales and marketing, which is repeatable. Okay. And they should have their business operations all standardized and run by other people. So if the business owner or the founder is the center of the operation, that is not a scalable business. And then the risk is that when, if you bought that business, when the owner leaves, the value goes with them because they're the one that knows how the business works. So what we do is we teach, we teach business owners how they can protect their value. So there are two elements. The first thing is what we call an SDE. SDE okay. is seller's discretionary earnings. Okay. Okay. This is, this is the way a business broker would value the business based on the, uh, the, the revenue and the profit. Okay. And okay. It, it, this is applied to an, what we call an owner centric business. The multiplier that you can achieve for an SDE valuation ranges in, in one to four and a half times the annual profit. Okay. okay. So for example, if we said that we had a business that was doing $2 million of revenue at 15% profit, the SDE would be in the range of $300,000. At that range, they would get a multiplier of say 3.0. So that business as an SDE valuation would be valued at uh, $900,000. If however, the business owner goes through the process of implementing professional management systems. Okay. Um, and that means they have standard systems for their sales and marketing. They have standard systems for their business operations. They have quality assurance programs. You know, they go through the whole ISO program so that their business is not centered around them, but the business stands alone from them. That's when we can say they have professional management systems. Okay. When they have a professional management system, then the business broker would be able to, to value them based on what we call the EBITDA. EBITDA is earnings before interest, tax, depreciation, amortization. Right. Okay. Now let's take the same business and let's say that that business was doing $2 million of revenue at 15% uh, margin. 
So it's, it's, it's EBITDA is around $300,000. Okay. But now the multiplier is in the range of four to 35 times. So I typically deal with engineering companies. If we look at the, if we look at the tables from 2021, an engineering company would be valued at the average was 8.22. Okay. Okay. So if you think about our initial company that was valued at 3.0, simply by implementing the professional management systems, the value of the company is increased by 270 odd percent, just because the business is now more viable to sell without the owner involved in the business. Now, if you want to take this even further, and this is some of the strategies that we do different, different businesses have different valuations. Okay. So if you are in a primary industry, mining, fisheries, lumber, things like that, you would be lucky to get uh, a full valuation of the previous slide better. You'd be lucky to yeah. get a, a full valuation. Okay. So primary industries, uh, mining, fisheries, lumber, things like that, you would get a four times valuation. However, if you got into the SaaS business, a SaaS business can get a valuation as much as 35 X. Okay. 35 times the annual profit. What's even better with the SaaS company. If you think about the primary industry, they may be running at seven or 8% margin. If you look at retail stores, for example, they can be running down at 3% margin. Okay. Um, you know, we always try and get, if we're working with a company, we always try and get them to deliver 20% profit. Okay. A SaaS company can easily exceed 80% margin. So now let's look at that $2 million company. If they have a SaaS element to them, or if we can package them so that part of the business we can roll out as a SaaS product, let's say that half their business is, is they have a software service they provide to their clients. We could take okay. that $1 million worth of SaaS product. Okay. Which is running at 80% margin. So that's $800,000 of, um, of profit and then give it a 35 X multiplier. So let's make it a 30 X multiplier. That's 800,000. That's 24 million compared to 900,000. Okay. Even if you couldn't roll it out as a SaaS product, if you just took the basic engineering company, the, the business, just by going through the professionalization process, it means the business would be worth two and a half million dollars compared to 900,000. Okay. So what we, what we teach the founder to do, you, you may have heard of the e-myth with Michael Gerber. Um, I mean, this was very popular years ago and he did an update to it a few years ago, but the e-myth said, you know, as a, as a business founder, you start by working in the business. You are the guy doing the job, you're doing the service delivery, you're providing your customer satisfaction. Then as you become more mature, you need to become, um, a, a true business owner, and you need to start working on your business, not in your business. We okay. take it as we take it a stage even higher. And so you need to, you need to step above that and you don't see your business as being the sole, the sole source of value. You need to, you need to work over your business and then look at the whole value chain and your business is just part of that value chain. And one of the techniques we do to increase profit is to say, Let's look at the value chain. Let's look at your top seven expense items and see if through strategic mergers and acquisitions, we can actually buy those expense lines and bring them into your 
corporate entity as profit centers. So immediately it turned an expense to a profit, the revenue in the business goes up. And then when you get that higher valuation, you get a much higher payout. So, so these are some of the tactics that we can use, but the, the strategy is to help the business owner or the business founder work over the business. So they're looking at the whole value chain and where they can add value and where they can maximize their value as opposed to working on the business when they're just looking at their business in its, in its singular point. So that's the, that's what we do. Okay. Okay. David, now, uh, tell me, uh, let's look at it from both the sides. You are the go-to man. You are the one who has been watching this whole unfolding of events for the last couple of years. And now is the time that it's in, it's in actually working out. And this will, this process, this whole, uh, wealth transfer will take perhaps a decade or, or more because as companies will get transferred as assets will get transferred and that's where different companies from different parts of the world will come. So the first part is from the US side. You are looking at how you can maximize the exit for founders who are aware about what is happening and who want to actually uh, sell it at a higher valuation by bringing in professional management, how to bring in better valuation for themselves or otherwise they'll just go out on almost zero value. Absolutely. Second part is to create a market all over the world for such companies so that much more versatile management can come in, who can get such companies at a lower valuation. Still, people who are selling it can make good profits out of it. They can also come in, create good management, create enough valuation, and they can exit uh, in, in whatever way they want. In maybe in a couple of years, or they can grow it as part of a larger uh, unit of their own company. You are at the center of this particular thing. From the Indian point of view, I would like to understand from you, what exactly does this all affect Indian entrepreneurs, Indian companies, Indian HNIs, people who have got the money and they are looking at the US, they know about things, but exactly didn't know how to go about it. What would you tell them? How would you make them interested actually to know that there is this real valuation and you could be of interest to them? You are the go-to man for them. Okay. One of the things I used to teach, many years ago, I had a crisis management company. And one of the things we used to teach is out of any crisis, there is danger, but there's also opportunity. Now, a, a Chinese linguist picked me up on this and said, no, no, the, the word Weiji does not mean that. It just means a crucial point. But this is the issue. A crucial, so there is danger. There is danger to the existing business owners, but we are at a crucial point when something begins to change. Now, there's two ways this can play out. The business owner can stay doing what they've always done. They become what we call the legacy business. They then go into the zombie stage. So basically they're dead, but they don't know it. And eventually the business dies. And the valuation okay. at that point is zero or very close to zero or they can do the breakout. Now, if you remember, I said less than 1% of businesses actually get bought. And there's four and a half million businesses that are, um, that are in this $10 trillion wealth transfer. So if okay. you said that, that less than 1% actually get bought, that means there are something, there's, there's over 4 million businesses in the U.S. at the moment that are looking at going, that if they're, that are at risk of going down this death spiral to a zero value exit. Okay. 
Okay. And, and a lot of the business owners don't even know they're at risk because they're so busy working on the business. They haven't had the time to bring their head above, above water and say, I need to be looking over the business. I need to see where this is going. So this is where the opportunity, this is the crucial point when the change is happening. A lot of business owners just won't be in a position to go through the process to maximize the value and to get out. They're going to stay with a low value operation. So a business owner or an entrepreneur that comes in with a clear vision of picking up businesses that are on that downward spiral, turning them around, going through the, the professionalization, implementing professional management systems, and then maximizing the profits can then set themselves up for two options. And, and what I'd like to do is I think on the next slide, we talk about where the Indian entrepreneurs can really, can really succeed. So, so the ways that the ways that people can get involved is yeah. this is the, this is the most interesting part, actually, you know, the uh, easier they understand, the easier it will be to, for them to come in. Then us is just a flight away. Sure. Okay. So let's, so let, let me explain. So if, if an Indian entrepreneur wanted to take, um, advantage of this opportunity, there's, there's two ways they could do it. They could just come in and say, Hey Dave, we want to co-consult with you. Um, and that's fine, but that's, that's not really where the value is. They could go and get a license, um, as one of, as a, as a CFE, what we call a CFE consultant. But again, that's a $50,000 fee. And then you've got to build your marketplace and everything else. The real value for the, for the Indian entrepreneur is two options. Okay. The first one is to become a business flipper. In this case, they look at buying a business, um, you know, and we would recommend you want to be, you want to be in the one to 5 million annual recurring revenue. And the, the reason we recommend that is the business has got to be big enough so that it's got room to grow. You don't want a business that's just struggling and bouncing along, just making payroll. You want a business that's this viable. They're more than 10 years old. They've survived, but the business owner, the founder just hasn't looked up to see this train wreck coming towards them. So then you can go and say, Hey, you know, you, you haven't got professional management. Um, on, on one of the previous slides, we said the acid test between a, a owner centric business and professional management is, can the business owner take a month off and the business, the business then be operating as effectively when, when they return. And if you ask most business owners, can you take a month off from your business and have no email, no phone call, no contact with the business and everything be doing just as well or better than when you left, most of them would look at you in, with horror in their eyes. They couldn't possibly do that. So this is the opportunity for a smart investor, for a smart entrepreneur. You, you could come into the first option is you become a business flipper. You look for businesses that have got potential to improve their valuation, you buy them at the lower valuation point, you implement the professional management system, and then put them back out to the marketplace as a professionally managed business so that they're an asset that someone else would want, but you, you have got that anywhere between two and 11 times increase in the value of the business. Now people would say, well, that's not fair because you're taking the business away from the business owner. No, what you're doing is you're helping the business owner avoid a zero value exit, right? You know, you're not, you're not, you're not stealing somebody's business. You are helping them get value for something that if they're not careful, their value is going to go to zero in the near future and they're going to lose it all. So this is actually a, a very altruistic service because you're helping preserve the value 
for someone who's going to lose it. And then you are being rewarded because you're then increasing the value of that business rather than letting it just decay to nothing. Right. So that's the first option. It's just to buy and flip businesses. And there's lots of people setting up. The more you look around, there's more and more people coming in doing programs and courses on how to become a business exit strategist. There's an organization now called the EPI, the Exit Planning Institute. They actually certify people as exit planners. There's lots and lots of, uh, there's lots of peripheral activity all around this space. Now, for the really, for the really smart entrepreneur, this is where they can hit big money. This is what we call the vertical roll-up. So imagine, remember I spoke to you about optimizing the value chain. Right, right. If an entrepreneur comes in and says, okay, I'm, I want to, or I've got experience or I've got knowledge in this, in this vertical, I want to um, build value. I want to build a consortium of businesses that support each other, that we get multiple value from. So if remember I taught you about the, the E2P exercise, turning expense items into profit centers. Right. What a smart uh, Indian entrepreneur or investor could do is buy a business, find a business that's got good potential, so it's got good fundamentals, but they haven't necessarily optimized. Buy that business, go through the optimization process. So it's now a professionally managed business. It's got the higher valuation. It also is more able to then buy other businesses because it's at a, it's at a higher value. Then what you can do is you can start to buy other businesses in that vertical, in that niche, which are complementary. It may be that all you're doing is buying market share. It may be that the other business has nothing of value that you don't already have, but you buy it from the owner who has not optimized. So you're paying the lower valuation. You buy their market share. That market share then comes into your high valuation business. You're providing better quality service. You're providing better quality products and services, better value to your customers. You're also increasing the value of your business and you are then better able to buy another part of your value chain. Now, this is where you hit the sweet spot. Once you get the business value over $10 million, so $10 million of, of annual recurring revenue and 20, 20% EBIT, then you become very, very appealing to private equity firms. Okay. It's, it's, it's an inverse relationship. The more you're asking for the business, the more people who are interested in buying it. So for, a, for an Indian entrepreneur who'd be interested in looking at some significant gains, buy a business that's, that's pre-optimized, optimize it, and then use that as the center point to buy up other pre-optimized businesses and then prepare that and either keep doing the roll up um, to make, you know, to make a consortium as big as you want, or get to that sweet spot greater than 10 million of ARR, greater than 20% of EBIT, and then package that as an optimized whole. So you've done all the work, you've, you've taken out all the inefficiency, you've created all the value, and then you sell that to a, a private equity company or a family office who are just looking at investing their wealth in something that will be reoccurring. And then you get the high value payout because not only would you get the payout from the value improvement you did on the first business, but you'd also get the multiplication factor of bringing in multiple other businesses and rolling, rolling them up under that single vertical to then package that and sell it off. So, so that's another, that's where you know, the really serious investor 
can make a lot of money. And as I say, there's, there's, there's well over 4 million businesses that if the owners don't wake up soon, are going to 10 to zero value. So this is a huge time for a, a, a savvy entrepreneur to come and establish himself, buy a business, optimize it, then start the roll-up process and either keep that as their own consortium and their own sort of foothold in the US market or sell it to a private equity company and take the cash and just start again or do whatever they want. So it's a huge opportunity for people with the vision and you're going to be helping a lot of business owners who, because they're not paying attention, are going to lose all the value from their life work, which is a tragedy. Right, right. And also saving a lot of jobs. Exactly. Um, now, there would, you know, with, in, in any optimization, especially when you do a roll-up, there would be some job losses. Um, similarly, for, for an injury entrepreneur, there's, you, you've also got huge opportunity for labor arbitrage. So if you look at the, you know, if you look at the U.S. companies, you say, okay, this is what we need to stay in the U.S., but these, especially if you're building a bigger business, these functions we can offshore. You know, we've already got functionality in India. So then not only can you get the optimization of the, uh, of the business optimization, the, the value increase, the roll-ups, you then can see another way of increasing the profitability through labor arbitrage. Okay, David. Okay. A lot of money and a lot of businesses actually out there in the U.S., David. Now, tell me, David, there are a lot of U.S. companies also who would be interested in those businesses that are up for, you know, grabs or uh, will be a better fitment for that. So what is the trend in that happening? And secondly, what sector should Indian companies, Indian entrepreneurs, Indian HNIs, they can look at in the U.S. in this big opportunity that's there? The, I mean, the, the whole marketplace is open. There is no specific niche that okay. is better or worse than another. So for an Indian entrepreneur, I would say, you know, play to your strengths. If you've already got experience in a particular vertical, start looking in that vertical. And then it's a case of looking for a business that you can, you can buy, optimize, and then either flip or use as the basis to grow a consortium. So there's no, there's no specific vertical or niche that is, that is hotter than another. It's across the whole, the whole industry. Um, for the U.S. businesses, again, they can do exactly the same thing. Um, but the first thing we have to do, and what I'm trying to do is through, sort of through the, you know, the evangelism is help business owners understand that they, they first and foremost have to, have to professionalize their business to achieve that tick, or it can give them the tick in the box that they have professional management. And at that point, we would consider them to be a scalable business. When we consider them to be a scalable business, then we can do all the clever stuff about profit maximizing, merger and acquisitions, uh, strategic, you know, the E2P process, all of these other things that then, that then dramatically increase the revenue and the profitability. But you have to achieve that first tick in the box, which is to say, I, am, I now have professional management and I am a scalable business. And so that's what I'm trying to help uh, U.S. business owners realize that without that, they, are, they inevitably will go down that debt spiral um, and, lose the, and lose whatever value they've already built in their business. Okay. Okay, David. So suppose I'm an Indian business person. I've got lots of money uh, and I'm, I'm looking for investment and there are so many right fits for me in the U.S. But... Uh, I knew about this particular thing, but I didn't know 
whom to contact, where to go. I heard you and I want to, and I got interested. Obviously, this show is not enough for anybody to understand the whole stuff. How do I get in touch with you? How do you take it forward? What will be the process? Uh, any, anybody that's, uh, that's genuinely interested about uh, looking at this opportunity, they can connect with me several ways um, through LinkedIn or through my email. Um, and once we've established a connection, I'll be happy to set up a call and just understand what their, you know, what their expertise is. And once we know what their, you know, what their capability is, we can then look at opportunities as to where they could uh, leverage that to establish, to establish a, a basis in the U.S. Right, right. That, that's good. In fact, I'll put some of your details onto the YouTube description so that people can know. But obviously, you are, your name is very much searchable uh, and you can be found by anybody who can independently want to find you. And yeah, as I say, I'm, I'm, I'm always on LinkedIn. I'm very active on LinkedIn. So people connect with me there and I'll respond almost, almost straight away. Perfect. That's a lot of money you talked about this evening, David. $35 trillion opportunity in the US. And that is something, you know, a lot of people will be interested to grab a bite into the Big Apple. We'll try to dissect more of this particular opportunity and see that how it is making a lot of sense to a lot of people who have got the money to invest and who are looking to invest. Thank you very much for your time indeed for this particular edition of the KAJ Masterclass. AJ, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you.